Deion Sanders confirms he's been offered the head coaching job at Colorado, and the importance of his decision cannot be understated. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alumni and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every single day. I truly do appreciate it. And remember... Just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks, a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you are ordering the very best. Visit Omaha.com, OmahaSteaks.com, and use the promo code Locked On at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. And we're going to talk about them a little bit later in the episode. But this is decision time. This is major. Deion Sanders has confirmed that Colorado and others, not just Colorado, even though we're going to focus on them because they got a name on it, but Colorado and other bigger schools have offered him the head coaching position. Whew. Like, this is something that we need to unpack. This is something we definitely need to unpack because... It is an important decision, not only for Deion Sanders, not only for Jackson State, but then also for all HBCUs. It's truly that important. And here's the thing. The ball is in his court. Whatever he decides is on him now. And there's been so much speculation. It's almost as if so many media members, and depending on you know certain rival HBCU schools, have waited on this day for a Power 5 school to offer Deion Sanders. At first it was... Well, you know, he's only going to be here for a little bit. He's going to get a Power 5 offer, and then it's, he should get one. Then it's he's in contention for one, and now it's his name is closely connected, and we think he's been offered. No more speculation. No more guessing. Deion Sanders has came out flat out and said, yes, Colorado offered me, and so did others. He declined to answer, you know, or name the others, but he did say Colorado did offer me. This isn't the first time that he's confirmed a rumor. If I'm not mistaken, he confirmed that, yeah, I interviewed for the Texas uh, Christian job last year in Fort Worth. We thought maybe he'd be returning, returning to the DFW Metroplex, somewhere where he achieved great success as a player in the NFL. Didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? TCU's striving, Jackson State's striving. It's all good. But now Colorado's out here. And there's a big difference between an interview and an offer. Deion Sanders has always said, I'd be a fool not to consider a Power 5 offer. Well, here we are today. And I don't think Deion Sanders is a fool, so he is going to consider this Power 5 offer. And the only thing standing in between Deion Sanders and Colorado is Deion Sanders. This is what I mean when I say the ball is in his court. Whatever his decision is going to be, it is going to be a pivotal moment in HBCU athletics. I promise you, this is going to be extremely important, and it's going to be a statement for Deion Sanders. If he leaves, 
No harm, no foul. I'm not over here like, oh, Deion Sanders is da 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 da. I'm not finna slander the man because he decided to go somewhere else. Not at all. If he decides to leave, it's time to reflect on what his legacy is in the SWAC, even though he hasn't been here for a long time. I believe he has made enough of an impact where, yeah, we can talk about legacy. And I think it's deserved. He definitely has an impact. And you can't mention the past couple of years and probably the past or the next couple of years without talking about Deion Sanders. That's just is what it is, even if he left today. But if he declines, now there is where we have some fun. If Deion Sanders says, no, nah, I don't really want to go to Colorado. I'm going to stay right here at Jackson State. Or, no, I don't want to go to Colorado or any of these other schools because there are others. This is a huge W for Jackson State. Yeah, HBCUs get a little residual W from it. But this is a huge win for Jackson State. You know, because... I've always said that I think Deion Sanders could truly build a legacy at Jackson State. I really think that if he wanted to, he could coach here for the next 10 years and build a true legacy with Jackson State. But let's not even look that far forward. If he just decides, no, I'm not going to do it, this is huge. Because everybody said when Deion Sanders got an FBS, specifically a Power 5 offer, he's gone. Period. And I, I, people have already done this. I ain't trying to hit it. Oh, well, Colorado's not a good job. You changing the goalpost. You shifting your argument. You changing narratives. Because it was never, it had to be a great power five. Great power fives ain't opening up. There's a reason that these power five schools keep coaches, because they're good. You think that if USC and Lincoln Riley have a lot of success, they're going to say, you know what, we're going to move on from you. No, the only reason Lincoln Riley left a successful Oklahoma, which was a Power 5 school, was because Lincoln Riley chose to. These jobs don't just open, so of course it's not going to be the greatest Power 5. But that was never the case. But now that Deion Sanders is connected to Colorado, and people want to say, oh, he ain't going to take Colorado, it's not a good job. Why would he? Don't tell me that don't count. Don't try to tell me it's not a big deal if he passes up on this because it's Colorado. I'm not trying to hear that because truly you're discrediting what he has built at Jackson State and you're shifting the argument. Who cares? Who really cares, right? Because what are we saying? Are we saying one day Deion Sanders going to leave? Yeah, probably so. You know, like, honestly, Deion Sanders is probably going to coach somewhere other than Jackson State at some point in his career. But here's the thing. How many schools do you really think are completely certain that their coach will never leave them? How many? We just saw Brian Kelly leave a cushy job at Notre Dame to go to LSU and go against Georgia and Alabama. He welcomed that challenge and left a very comfortable position where he's been to the college football playoffs. 90% of schools could have their coach poached, period. Period. Like, like, I don't know why this is a, a, a talking point. It really doesn't move me. Does Deion Sanders have to decline the Florida State job for you to feel like he's actually serious about Jackson State? If so, that's an unfair statement. It's an unfair standard. Deion Sanders should not have to leave or, or decline his alma mater to show you he is loyal to HBCUs. That is not fair to him. Most coaches can be poached, period. I, I don't, I don't, that doesn't move me anymore. That just does not move me. The idea that Deion Sanders could leave for the right job. 90% of coaches in college football are leaving for the right job. I don't want to hear that. It doesn't, it doesn't move me. I'm sorry. Right? And when I say that it discredits what he has built at Jackson State, how many HBCU coaches you think are turning down Colorado? 
Ramos is a step up, right? That's what that's what that's what you would tell me. That's what you've been telling me. Most would probably say, "Oh, that's a bigger market. I can do X, Y, and Z. I can." But if he decides to decline Colorado and others, but specifically Colorado, it tells you that at Jackson State, he has built up a major squad. One that is worth declining a Power 5 offer. Period. Because honestly, Colorado could be a stepping stone. If you think Jackson State is a stepping stone, Colorado could be a stepping stone as well. He's turning down Colorado to stay at Jackson State. And it tells you what he has built down there in Mississippi. This is a powerhouse on the FCS level who I believe wants to eventually dominate FCS competition. He has his eyes on a lot of things. We'll see if he's able to achieve it, if he even has the time to achieve it. We won't know the answer to this for at least another week after the SWAT championship and possibly after the Celebration Bowl in the middle of December. But I will say this, whatever his decision is, it'll be a pivotal moment, a big deciding moment on how people are going to talk about HBCUs because I promise you if he declines Colorado and others to stay at Jackson State I'm gonna be talking about you know what about HBCUs because we deserve that and going forward because that was a major deal but going forward we're gonna be talking about Benedict College in their first playoff game versus Wingate how did it go I'm going to tell you going forward before I get into that. However, today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. And listen, I don't know if you guys remember last year. I was all on Omaha Steaks. I was telling you, man, my cousins don't even need to buy me anything else because I already know. Now, listen, I am going to try to weed and, and, and talk about, oh, well, this is why you should get Omaha Steaks. But I'm just going to tell you, they have great filet mignon. They have great burgers. They have great boneless chicken. If you're into that, I just call them nuggets, but that's neither here nor there. Right? This this offer is going to give you $30 off, and of course you have to have a minimum purchase, but $30 off your purchase at Omaha Steaks are back. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. If you bought a family member or a family member bought you this for Christmas or just any special day last year, you understand just how delicious so it truly is. So go ahead and get yourself Omaha Steaks. All you have to do is go to OmahaSteaks.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you will get $30 off. Your purchase, minimum purchase is required. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. For your second listen of the day, stay right here on this app right here. And check out Peter Bukowski and whatever host he is bringing on today for Locked On Sports Today. The local experts talking about the biggest national stories. Who knows? Maybe I'll even go on there to talk about Deion Sanders and this Colorado offer. We'll have to see. But today's word of the day is wheedle. It means to use flattery in order to persuade or receive something. And I'm going to do my best to wheedle you guys as the time goes on and convince you to get Omaha Steaks. Because I'm telling you, what Michael Irvin said... Finger-looking, finger-licking good, all right? I hope you guys seen that. Otherwise, y'all just think I'm quoting the wrong person. But anywho, Benedict College has failed to Wingate, and it's been a very, very rough start to the, to the playoffs. Rough year, because it's over now. Uh, it's been a rough year for HBCUs in the playoffs. If you look at the FCS level, fam, you didn't make the cut. North Carolina A&T lost in their game that would have played them into the playoffs. So neither of these teams and no other team in the FCS subdivision made it as far as HBCUs go. 
But then you go to the D2 playoffs in the Division II ranks, there's a much better relationship and much less divisive conversation around the playoffs, mostly because they don't have a SEAC versus CIAA championship game, right? Head up like the SWAC and the MEAC. So it's not really any divide. You go to the playoffs and you play in the playoffs to try to be the best team. It's just understood. It's all you can do. It's all you want. There is no secondary option for you to say, oh, we'd rather do that. So it's no real divide. In the D2 ranks, you had Fayetteville State, Virginia Union, and Benedict College. Three HBCU teams, HBCU teams, excuse me, made the playoffs. Well, Fayetteville State and Virginia Union, they lost in the first round, of course, but Benedict College had a bye. And now they're playing one game, the same team that knocked off Virginia Union, and they got knocked off as well. So all three of these HBCUs lost in the first matchup. Let me keep this quick, because I try not to be too negative, and I already felt like this is, it's just a little too much negativity, but we got to touch on these things. We can't just act like it doesn't happen. I saw a lot of people... Not really talking about Benedict after they lost. The truth is, wins and losses are going to happen. I'm here to break them down all evenly. It is what it is. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about this very quickly. They lost 23-6, to and I mean, I think the score can tell you just how bad that game was because Benedict hadn't scored under 20 points more than one time this year. Only one time they had scored under 20 points and never under, under 10. They had scored 14. That was their lowest point total up to this point. So this was obviously a dominating performance by the Wingate defense. Have, man, they are, when I tell you they're the legend killers, for real. Like, this is Randy Orton going through legends and legends and legends, except instead of legends, he's going through HBCUs. That's what it looks like, right? So when I'm looking at Wingate, what were they able to do? Disrupt the line of scrimmage. And that's how they destroyed the Benedict offense. They couldn't run, they couldn't pass, nothing. They were terrorized all day long. When you look at the rushing yards. They had 37 rushing rushing attempts for 38 yards. A yard a pop. A yard a pop. That's not acceptable. Now, listen, I'm not bashing Benedict. This is really just talking about the game plan and what Wingate was able to do. They had a really good game against Jada Byers as well. So we knew that they could stop the run because Jada Byers is a phenomenal running back and he praised the linebackers. So we knew they were going to come in with the ability to stop the run. I just don't think I expected them to stop it in this fashion. Eric Phoenix has negative 50 yards or 50 yards he lost. He didn't have negative yards, but he lost 50 yards. They only ran for 38 total. And we talk about net yards. So the amount of yards that Eric Phoenix himself lost was greater than the net yards that was gained by Benedict College. That's just dominating. And to put it in simpler terms, because even saying out loud, it just felt like a bunch of numbers, which I try to avoid. He was sacked seven times for 45 yards. Seven sacks for 45 yards is phenomenal. I know I threw more numbers, but I think that's just more of a cut and dry number, right? I try not to, to get into complex numbers and equations and try to explain those things, but sometimes you have to do it that way. And Eric Phoenix being sacked seven times for however many yards is just a sign of how poorly he was protected on this day. And that's why the passing game wasn't great. Yardage-wise, yeah, solid day. About 300 yards, that's a solid day. But everything else around those yardage, that's not good. You look at the fact he was sacked seven times, clearly the offense couldn't get going if you're getting sacked seven times. You're just not throwing the ball well. You're not having an effective day. Like, think of any time you've seen somebody be sacked seven times. Never was it a good day, ever, right? Like, <laughs> that's just the case. 
And then also, in addition to being sacked seven times, he had two turnovers, two interceptions on the day. That's not a good day. And I thought that the Benedict College defense held up well. They scored six points on the day. That's a pretty solid day, you know? Like, they held, yes, they gave him 21 points, but it wasn't that bad. I really thought that the college or Benedict College did pretty well defensively. Unfortunately, the Wingate defense did really well too and better. They forced more turnovers. And there was one point when Benedict forced a turnover after scoring a touchdown, and it felt like they had some life, and then dashed. It is what it is, though. It is what it is. And unfortunately, Benedict College is out in their first matchup in the H or in the D2 playoffs. And all HBCUs are done this year. But we still have the, the Celebration Bowl to look forward to. So, fingers crossed that that is a phenomenal game between North Carolina Central and either Jackson State or Southern. And remember, we will be breaking down the SWAC Championship game as we continue on throughout the week. But that's later on in the week. But on today's episode, we're going to wrap up talking about Rod Milstead because he was fired by Delaware State. I'm going to tell you why in a couple of facets that I think really played into the fact that he was relieved of his duties. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you guys for making it to segment three. Shout out to all my folks who made it to the end. Rod Milstead has been fired as the Delaware State head football coach. This is the unfortunate side of coaching. We opened it up with a great moment, talking about Deion Sanders and the fact that he might be going on to a Power 5 school, and hopefully he doesn't, but the fact that a Power 5 school wants him. That's the great side. When other people want you to come on to the school, the downside, the unfortunate side, is that sometimes the school you're with no longer wants your services. That's what we have right now with Milstead. It just wasn't working for Delaware State. And... I wonder just how much that Norfolk State loss could have played a part in the fact that he lost his job. I'm just curious of that. Now, it's not the only reason. It's probably not the spurring reason on why he lost his job. If I had to guess, Rod Milstead lost his job because his clock ran out. Period. Milstead's his job or his clock just ran out. You're here for five years, and what's your record? 17 and 33? 7 and 18 in the MEAC? That's just not good enough. It's not going to cut it. You can't sustain success. And at the end of the day, you need a head coach who's going to sustain success. He wasn't doing it. Like, this is one of those things where we genuinely say it's just business. It's just business. Milstead wasn't getting the job done. You see those records over the last five years. They don't have a winning record in any season. They did have their most amount of success last year and this year, going five and six, which was their best record since 2013. So, in about 10 years. You look at it in 2021, so that was eight years prior. That was the last time they, you know, had a season that good. You're looking at a situation where genuinely Rod Milstead just ran out of time because they did not feel as if he was inspiring confidence anymore. I don't have this inside information. This is just me guessing by looking at the numbers. If you go five years and you don't have a winning record, that's not a good thing. That's not something that they're going to praise. That's something that's going to be held against you. It is. And I asked the question, because number two, my second reason, is I wonder how the Norfolk game played a part into this. Because you're supposed to win that game. Like, no disrespect to Norfolk. Nobody expected to lose to Norfolk this year after about, you know, five, six games into the season. 
I'm not saying chalk it up as an easy win, but you do expect to win it if you're a good team, and that's what you want to be. And unfortunately, Delaware State just was not that this year. They just did not succeed this year. They ended up landing fourth in the conference. They had a really hot start. They ended up slowing down. You go five and six last year. You go five and six this year. Both of which are your best finishes in eight, nine years. And you get fired. Why is that the case? If I had to assume, it's because after going five and six in 2021, he didn't further that uh, momentum. He didn't. He just kind of stayed where he was. It was kind of stagnant. And not only was he stagnant, he started off hot. It looked like, oh, we finna really heat it up. We might be going for the MEAC. You wasn't even top half in the MEAC this year. It's unacceptable. And you lost to Norfolk, a game that you probably feel like you should have won. Plays like this, moments like this, or games like this and moments like this, I do believe are pivotal. They can be deciding factors. Sometimes people just say enough is enough. Five years, not a lot of success. Is that why he was fired? Was he fired because they lost a very winnable game against Norfolk State? Was he fired because they had a hot start to the season and cooled off? The truth of the matter is, he probably got fired because of a culmination of all of these things. He probably got fired because his clock simply ran out. Not enough sustained success, not enough motivation or momentum, not enough feeling like you're headed to the promised land, and it's been enough time, period. I don't think that this is anything to get up in arms about. It's just simply the time ran out, and you can see this happen with coaching all over the country. No matter how likable you are, no matter how much connection you have to the program, no matter how much people feel like you just haven't had X, Y, and Z, if the results aren't there, you get fired. And unfortunately, that's what happened to Rod Milstead. Of course, they wish him the best on his future endeavors. I do the same. But it will be very interesting to see who they are going to hire for the next coach. They have an interim coach right now. I don't really know why. I don't know, I don't know why you need an interim coach. Maybe they don't think they're going to hire somebody before the spring. I think they should. I mean, you got months before spring practice. So we'll see. I think early signing day is coming up. It would be nice to see if they could get a coach by then, but you don't want to rush the process. They would definitely have a coach by signing day. It wouldn't make sense that they didn't, and I can't wait to see who their coach is going to be. It's going to be a new man in charge at Delaware State. Let's see who it's going to be. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every single day, guys, this makes my day to know that I'm a part of your daily routine. For your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports Today on this very here platform. You don't even have to change. Just type in Locked On Sports Today wherever you're listening to me right now, and you will find Peter Bukowski in the list of hosts that he could be bringing on on any given day. Now, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about another head coach who has been connected to a FBS job, not quite Power 5, but Willie Simmons has been connected to Florida Atlantic. We'll be talking about that on tomorrow's episode. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.